Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Were U.S. diplomats in Cuba victims of a sonic attack or something else? By Adam Rogers. The 007 meets the X-Files adventures in Cuba continue. Last week, the U.S. Department of State recalled non-emergency personnel and families home from the embassy in Havana, citing injuries and illness among 21 people. Hearing loss, dizziness, headache, fatigue, cognitive issues, and difficulty sleeping, according to a statement from Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Those 21 people weren't just cultural attaches. Some of the hardest-hit victims were U.S. intelligence operatives, according to an AP story on Monday, which is to say someone in Cuba has been remotely doing something mysterious to U.S. spies' ears and brains. Call it spook action at a distance. Most of the reporting on this story so far has talked about some kind of a sonic soup weapon or sonic attack, maybe a side effect of a surveillance technology. The problem is physicists and acousticians don't know how ultrasound, high frequency, or infrasound or low frequency could do what the State Department says happened to its people. And that leaves two possibilities, a new sci-fi sound gun or something else. And here's a hypothesis for the something else, poison. Just to rewind a little bit, the reported injuries vary from hearing loss, potentially permanent, and dizziness, to confusion, headache, and even mild brain trauma. To audiologists and otolaryngologists, that suggests damage or injury in both the inner ear, which converts sound waves into neural impulses and regulates balance, and along neural pathways reaching into the brain. Some of the affected people reported hearing weird noises, sometimes only in specific parts of specific rooms, but others didn't. Immediately, that suggests some kind of focused acoustic attack. But nobody will admit to knowing about any technologies that can do all that. Nothing about this story makes any sense to us, says Robert Putnam, Senior Marketing Director at LRAD, which makes the long-range acoustic device that a cruise ship deployed against pirates in 2005. But the LRAD uses audible, very, very audible sound. 
Most of the Cuban attacks seem to have been inaudible. If it's infrasound, they're not really hearing it and you'd have to pump a tremendous amount of energy into the ground, Putnam says. If it's ultrasound, it attenuates very quickly, and if you pumped a lot of energy into it, it'd heat the skin. And technologies that focus a beam of audible sound at a single spot don't have the kind of range our nominal magic sci-fi sound gun would need. As of 2010, you'd have to be within five or ten feet of the emitter for it to have an effect, Putnam says. Of course, maybe the magical sci-fi sound gun has made significant technological progress since then. But sound isn't the only thing that affects hearing and the brain. Chemicals do, too. It's called autotoxicity, toxicity to the ear. And it's a known side effect, for example, of some chemotherapeutics and antibiotics. The widely used cancer drug cisplatin can cause hearing loss, as can the category of antibiotics called aminoglycosides, which includes streptomycin and neomycin. Basically, those drugs get into the fluid-filled ductwork of the inner ear and damage the hair cells, which talk to the nerves that lead to the brain. Chemotherapeutics and antibiotics need to be administered intravenously to have an effect, though, so they don't fit the facts. Heavy metals like lead and mercury can be autotoxic, but they also stay in the blood for a long time. The State Department hasn't released specific test results for its people, and maybe they won't, but it's safe to assume they got blood tests. Another class of autotoxins, solvents like the cleaning product xylene or styrene, used to make glass-reinforced polyesters. Some linger in the blood, but others have a shorter half-life. They outgas from new carpet, paint and furniture. It's why some new homes aren't immediately ready for occupation. Some of these are going to be obvious and you're going to smell it, says Kathleen Campbell, an expert in autotoxicity at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. But when we study this, it's usually through industrial exposure. We're not looking at the possibility that it could be weaponized and have the aroma taken away. Finally, though, is an autotoxin that kind of fits the bill. Carbon monoxide causes hearing loss because of its action as an asphyxiant. It kills by displacing oxygen from hemoglobin, the stuff in red blood cells that ferries oxygen around the body. It's odorless a gas, and acts centrally, which is to say it acts on the brain, not just parts of the ear. While true to cause hearing loss on its own, you'd probably have to inhale enough to pass out, but it greatly increases the risk of noise-induced hearing loss. It's synergistic, Campbell says. If your oxygen levels go down in the ear and then you have noise exposure, you get a great increase in free radicals, and that attacks the hair cells. Synergistic effects are worth looking at here. Hearing loss doesn't begin or end at the cochlea. That's the organ in the ear that mechanically turns sound into nerve impulses. Something that affects the central nervous system, like a solvent or carbon monoxide, could also affect the vestibular system. That's the trio of fluid-filled semicircular canals that governs balance, and it could affect other parts of the brain as well. Possibly, though this isn't well tested in humans and for good reasons, inaudible infra- and ultrasound could be synergistic with an autotoxin, just as industrial factory noise can be, 
and maybe microwave beams are too. The thing is, the Cubans have denied any involvement in whatever these attacks are, if indeed they are attacks. In a briefing, a senior State Department official said the investigation is ongoing. U.S. officials have reportedly said they're looking into whether some other country's operatives were responsible, like maybe even Russia, which has already been involved in attacks on U.S. news media and voting systems, and Russian security services have long employed poison as a weapon. From the 1978 murder of Bulgarian playwright Gorgi Markov with a pellet filled with ricin fired from a trick umbrella, to the 2006 killing of the spy Alexander Litvinenko with tea laced with polonium-210. The Russians have also used microwaves as a surveillance tool. Soviet intelligence beamed microwaves at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow for decades, at least for part of that time to send power to passive microphones embedded in a carved seal of the United States. Synergistic effects aren't limited to autotoxins either. Infrasound, that's anything below 20 hertz, can be more damaging if it's accompanied by audible noise. That might not explain the cognitive symptoms that the U.S. personnel experienced, but an audible noise like that reported by some Americans could have provided cover for the infrasound delivery. Is it plausible that low-frequency sounds could injure the inner ear or create a vestibular phantom, a sense of nausea or motion sickness, says Robert Jackler, an otolaryngologist at Stanford Medical School? Yes, absolutely. Ultrasound really needs a fluid medium to conduct. That's why pregnant women get that gel on their abdomens before an ultrasound imaging test. Infrasound delivers through the air, but anyone who's ever been to a dance club or ridden a helicopter has felt the vibro-tactile aspect of infrasound, the womp-womp feeling in your guts. It could work as a weapon on people, too. Jackler pointed me to a 2007 study in which researchers imposed chinchillas to infrasound and an audible noise, and showed that the two together caused increased damage to the cochlea, specifically by letting cochlear fluids mix together via a rupture. If you really want to get conspiratorial, a team of Russian researchers replicated that work in 2011 in humans, studying soldiers who were working with heavy ground vehicles, helicopters and hovercraft. The ones exposed to the most infrasound all had more hearing loss, digestive and nervous system problems and eye diseases. The same team in 2017 found that infrasound had a mutagenic effect on mice, so, you know, neugewalt. I emailed one of the researchers who worked on both those papers, asking if she thought her work might have any relevance to what happened in Cuba. We do not know anything about such weapons, and we consider this unacceptable, writes Irina Vasilieva, a biologist at the N.N. Petrov National Medical Center of Oncology. So how will anyone figure out if any of this is true? Well, tests, of course. Hearing loss due to medical autotoxicity generally affects higher frequencies first. Solvents attack the mid-range. Hearing loss from loud noises yields a noise notch between 2 and 6 kilohertz. Hair cells give off wee little whistles when functioning normally at acoustic emissions that can test if they're functioning normally. And then there's auditory brainstem testing to see if the damage is central instead of peripheral. 
I've worked with the Department of Defense on auditory research for a couple of decades, and I've been very impressed with their capabilities. I'm sure they're already looking at everything I've talked about, Campbell says. More and more, I suspect there's some combination rather than one pure effect. That combination might not have been intentional. Presumably, a magic sound gun could have synergistically combined with environmental noise or some unknown autotoxin and caused injuries when it was only supposed to pick up secret conversations. Maybe this isn't James Bond or the X Files. Maybe it's the Cohen brothers. Perhaps nobody, as hapless bad guys are wont to say, was supposed to get hurt. The thing is, poisoning people at a distance is really hard to do. You've got to have a consistent dose and a consistent delivery mechanism, says Edward Boyer, a medical toxicologist at Harvard Medical School. Anything autotoxic enough to cause the range of symptoms in the diplomats would have been toxic in other ways too, he says. And even the symptoms that the State Department has already made public imply highly variable pharmacokinetics, which to me says that it wouldn't be that useful as a toxin. If you can't incapacitate everybody, then what's the point of using it at all? But don't let that shake your paranoia just yet. It may be that this was a test case, and they wanted to see how useful it was. Whoever unleashed it on us, Boyer says. For now, whatever happens to the diplomats and spies in Cuba remains a mystery without enough clues. The experts I talked to emphasize that to do anything more than speculate, they'd have to see lab results, neuropsychiatric workups, neuroimaging, environmental history—all results that the State Department hasn't made public. If indeed the tests happened, and even if the State Department does determine what affected their people in Cuba, it might not say. Sometimes the truth isn't out there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.